Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Peter Gebbett Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Timothy Hanks, and today is December 3rd, 2020, which means I'm on day 355 in a row of 365 promised episodes. It brings you unedited, unscripted, improv, news, movies, music, sports, food, entertainment, and all things except politics. The big news in sports, folks, Russell Westbrook was traded to Washington for John Wall. Now, this would seem maybe five or ten years ago like a monumentous trade, like a big deal. Like everybody should be worried about this in some way. But you're basically trading a chicken leg for a chicken thigh. You know, you're not getting anything special from either of these guys. Westbrook is on a decline in his career. His crazy, absolutely absurd energy level has been toned down a bit. His foul-mouthed anger and on-the-court display of sheer disrespect and disregard for players and referees has actually toned down a bit. And John Wall is a liability. He's always hurt. Two major injuries in the recent time of his career has led us to forget about the existence of John Wall until this trade. So basically, you're trading apples for oranges. Nothing nothing changes for Houston or for Washington. They're going to remain basically identical to what they had. They just wanted to get rid of these players for personal reasons, apparently. Because otherwise, you're trading a $131 million contract for a $132 million contract. What's a quick million in the world of the NBA, especially when you're already dealing with 130-something million anyways? No big deal, right? Well, hopefully James Harden finds a partnership with John Wall And if Wall can put up the numbers he used to prior to his two recent injuries, that team could be a dominant force in the West. Now, will the Washington Wizards go anywhere getting rid of John Wall and adding Russell Westbrook? No. Nothing will matter. That's nothing. That will change absolutely nothing for Washington. So for Westbrook, his dreams and aspirations of getting that championship ring under the guidelines of the Washington Wizards, is non-existent. I'm sure he knows for a fact he's going there to fill in a blank, and that's it, and ride out his final years on a loser team, going nowhere, possibly not even making the playoffs, and having that look of disgust that we all think of when we see Westbrook's face, that upper lip, Ray Allen, angry, like I just smelled a fart look. Yeah, that'll be his permanent face for the rest of his career. A new Match.com ad shows Satan himself in hell, just bored with all the same old Stuff he deals with in hell, human torture and soul destruction and demons and all that stuff. 
until he gets a message on his phone showing that he has received interest from someone on Match.com. And when he meets this person, it's 2020. Yes, it's a human being, but it's 2020 wrapped up in this human being, which this year is clearly a perfect match for Satan himself because of how shitty it's been for everyone. And it goes on to show him having a picnic in the middle of an empty stadium and stealing toilet paper with 2020. And at the end of the ad, they're both sitting down together and they're like, man, I wish this year would never end as asteroids plummet toward Earth and destroy it once and for all because that's the only thing that hasn't happened thus far to prove to us that this is the worst year we've ever lived through. Now, I gotta say, it's pretty funny. You know, as as bad as, as a reminder of everything that sucks this year, all wrapped into one commercial, I mean, it's freaking hilarious. And it does truly, in a comical way, depict how obnoxiously shitty this year has been for everybody. And I gotta say, kudos for this Match.com commercial. And it actually even has a Taylor Swift song in the background, which makes it that much better because nothing would make 2020 worse than having the soundtrack to it actually be a Taylor Swift song. Awesome job, whoever made this. You, you gotta see it. You know, even if you're not in the dating game, you've never dated somebody online, you've never even shown interest, maybe you've been married the whole time. I've been in a relationship basically since the internet was capable of being on cell phones at all. So I've never done the online dating thing, but uh, I would watch this commercial five times in a row and laugh every single time because it is hilarious. So take a look. Match.com commercial with Satan you'll get a seriously good laugh out of it. Well, the monolith mysteries continue. With the first monolith in the desert in Utah showing up and then disappearing just as quickly. And then a monolith in Romania also showing up and then being removed just as quickly. And now finally, a massive solid metal monolith in California. In the mountains of a small town in Central Coast, California called Atascadero, a three-sided metal monolith, unlike the two-sided metal monolith in Utah, is a bit wobbly and could very well be pushed over and can easily be seen by hikers on Pine Mountain, which is apparently not even difficult to get to. So people have already taken pics with it and flashed it on Instagram and I'm sure infuriated the alien race who put it there, whose plans to have the monolith stay secret have been destroyed by hikers. And now with this rude form of depreciation, we have struck a guaranteed war with 
massive amount of UFOs that will come down and destroy our entire planet for disrespecting their alien monolith. Is what some people believe. Others like me think that some weirdo copycats are doing this for fun now to try and, you know, seep into the minds of these rabbit hole conspiracy theorist, you know, tin hat wearing freaks that believe somehow, some way, these monoliths have been put there by extraterrestrials. No, I'm sorry to ruin that for you, but it's most likely either some art form from some weird, artsy, out-of-this-world, I-don't-understand type individuals, or it's just some copycat, bored people who have a metal shop and have decided it would be fun to do something like this and freak out the world real quick. My question, though, is why does nobody ever see the people actually placing these or removing them? Why do we only find them randomly the next day or a week later, whenever we do find them? The monolith in Utah was found in a very remote place and was solidly placed into a rock, almost like concrete, and then removed. The monolith in Romania looked a little shabbier. You know, it was it was your standard Romanian version of something else from America. Lower quality, scratchier, not as clean. But the one here in California is supposedly just a wobbly, three-sided triangular slab of stainless steel. Who huffed that up the mountain is what I want to know. Who schlepped it up a mountainside and then not solidly put it in the ground? Like, just loosely set it there. I mean, if that's the case, just pull that SOB out and chuck it down the mountain. See what happens, you know? See if the person who placed it there gets upset. Then we'll find out right away who put the monolith on the mountaintop. So apparently an altercation between some dude and his fiancée and Dave Chappelle took place because this dude was sitting with his boyfriend or whatever and they started filming Chappelle and his friends and Dave Chappelle came over to their table maskless to tell them to stop filming him and an altercation ensued and now this individual is claiming he's going to file a police report because one of Chappelle's friends wanted to take his phone away because he thought he was recording them and this dude says Chappelle is a hypocrite because he makes everyone wear masks at his shows and his stand-up shows and everything but he wasn't wearing a mask when he came up to them to ask them to stop recording. This is the world we live in now? Really? You're gonna you're gonna file a police report on a celebrity comedian? Because you were filming him and he came up to you without a mask? I mean, what the hell is going on here, people? This mask thing is driving me absolutely crazy. I hate it. 
more than anybody, strapping a useless piece of crap freaking fiber mask thing on my three-year-old son's face as I go into a filthy, ridden, Southern California-style Mexican grocery store and people are feeling safer then is an embarrassment. I live by a lot of run-down, like, unregulated, clearly not cleaned out ever, stores that are old-school butcher style. You know, you can smell the rotting meat as you walk in. You can smell the uncleanliness of this place as you shop there. And I won't even lie. I go I go there sometimes for pr fresh produce. You can see if the fresh produce is rotten or not. Now, the meat is a questionable purchasing option in some of these Mexican grocery stores I go to. And it, to be honest, the floors there, the the shelves, the walls, everything is more of a hazard to people's health than a little kid not wearing a mask. But of course, in this stupid, psychotic world we live in, I have to strap masks on my little kids' faces to go into one of these stores and buy some cabbage for making tacos later that day. I mean, Dave Chappelle is getting a police report on him because he approached people about them recording him without his consent, and he didn't have a mask on. This is just ridiculous. I'm over it so much. I'm ready to just never wear a mask again, and if somebody has a problem with it, I'm going to start coughing all over them. I'm going to cough and say the words COVID as I do it. COVID. <clears throat> COVID. You know, because I'm done. You know, call me an insensitive prick, whatever. Tell me, oh, you're you're so messed up for saying this because people have died and where, where, where. Yeah, people die every day. All right. So, so sue me. I'm a terrible person. People die every day of all kinds of stuff. You could die tomorrow. Anyone could die at any moment. There could be a comet that hits the planet in five seconds and destroys all of us. So stop living in fear. Stop whining about masks and acting like a bunch of little bitches. I can't take this anymore. I'm done. The rebellion has begun. This is not fun. Tweedly dumb. All I know is, uh, the day that this whole mask thing is over, when people finally declare no more masks, and God knows when that's going to be, probably a year or two from now, sadly, I'm going to collect every mask I have and set them right on my front porch, you know, in a concrete area on the on the sidewalk, and light that son of a bitch on fire and dance around it, probably naked, with like some body art painted all over me, and just singing made-up songs and doing some crazy stuff that is, you know, I'm just going to go nuts. I'm going to get like severely intoxicated and just start going, slingshotting these masks over my fence. You know, I don't even know what I'm going to do in celebration 
of the end of the mask garbage, but I'm going to do something big because it'll be the best day of my entire life. That's how sick of these masks I am. Folks, it's time for the portion of the Peter Gabbett podcast that I only have 10 more of to tell you, and that is a real story brought to you by me, Peter Timothy Hankst, and Barbecusion, that's B-B-Q-U-S-I-O-N. Today, folks, I'm going to tell you another very recent story. In fact, a story of last evening, yesterday, yes. It was one of those days where, and I don't know if this is common with other people in the world, but when you're a stoner, as I'm, as I am, and you have no weed, it almost seems like the weed world finds you to keep you kind of stringing along or, I don't know, just satisfied, I guess. Because I personally, I have no social life whatsoever, especially because of this quarantine crap. But in my life, I have declared many different times that I'm no longer ever going to buy any weed or I'm, I'm not even going to try and find any weed. I don't even want to smoke it anymore. I'm done with it. It's over. And that's happened to me once at the beginning of this year when I just decided, you know what? There's going to be, there's this pandemic coming. Everybody's going to be short on funds. I'm not going to have any money. I will not spend a penny this year in 2020. I will not spend a single dollar on any weed. That's final. You know, I declared that I made it true. I, so far, I've held strong. I've grown a whole bunch of weed. Yes, I've grown some. I've smoked all of it. That was great. But I didn't buy any. And I've held true to that rule so far this year. And I only have, what, not even a month to go. But somehow it finds me anyways without me trying. And that happened to me yesterday. My older brother, you know, he's like, hey, do you want to go out and have a beer at this bar? Now, I don't drink beer. I can't have the carbonation. But I figured, you know what? I have nothing to do. I have no life. I have nothing. And I just need to get out of the house. So I joined him. I went to this local bar in town called the IB Forum, Imperial Beach Forum. It's it's a staple of the city. However, it's sort of a dive bar. I mean, it, let's face facts. It's 100% a dive but there's no bar in this city that isn't a dive bar. There's no classy, nice sports bar with TVs everywhere. There's nothing like that. There's only this place. So I went there with him. It was Wing Wednesday. Order some wings. We're hanging out. We do a shot. Hang out for about an hour and head back to his house where my other brother shows up with uh, a f- female friend of his who walks straight into my brother's house declares that she needs to go get high and then get something to eat. Now I'm thinking, hey, I I have a car, and by high, do you mean weed? Yes, she confirmed. And so I'm like, well, I'll give you a ride. So I'm giving her a ride back to the bar we were just at so she can grab herself a plate of wings as well. You know, she's hungry, she wants something to eat. And without question, she immediately packs a bowl of dank and passes it my way, and it looks as though a guardian green angel has come out of nowhere and supplied me with the means to get stoned as hell without me even trying. I'm just being a nice guy. I'm just taking her up the street 
to get some food. And here she is repaying me the favor with a huge bowl of green. And I respect that. I loved it. It was dank. It got me stoned as hell. In fact, it got me like paranoid stoned because it had been a while. So I'm sitting in this bar again. Here I am right back at the bar I was just at an hour ago being judged by the servers undoubtedly. And I'm with a different brother this time and two ladies and they're just hanging out. We're all having a good time. And then a group comes over and joins us who we randomly know. So now we've got a big group. The place is about to close. The servers want us to get the hell out. I'm stoned so much like my leg is shaking. I'm one of those, you know, I'm doing one of those nervous like leg vibration things where I'm just trying to get some more blood flowing through my body because I am a combination of somewhat drunk off a few shots I had taken and seriously baked awesome dank weed that I, you know, like I said, I hadn't smoked in, in days, probably over a week. So at this point, I'm stoned out of my mind for free. I'm somewhat drunk for free, and I'm having a decent time in a world where having fun with friends and family is not even really allowed, it seems like. So sometimes you just gotta, you gotta take the opportunity to get out and a good time will unfold on its own, which did happen. I brought them back to my brother's house after they got there themselves some wings, had a good time, whatever. Quick couple hours and I'm back at my home, just baked out of my mind, feeling great, slept like a rock, woke up, no hangover, nothing, feeling great. And it's all because of, I don't know, I guess, I say, I know I'm going to sound stupid, I always do, but I swear the weed gods were watching over me that night. You know, not that I really believe that, I'm just, you know, trying to say what could very well be something uh, metaphysical happened to allow me to walk into this world sober as hell and bored and walk, uh, drive back home. Oh yes, drive completely, you know, obliterated. No, I, I could see. I wasn't, I wasn't endangering anyone. I just had a small buzz off the liquor, but I was seriously stoned. But you're never too high to drive. That's 100%. That's a guaranteed rule. That's a, a known rule in the weed world. You're never too high to drive. If anything, it'll make you a better driver. You'll be more attentive. You'll be scared to go above the speed limit. You definitely won't speak. So for you, my listeners, folks, I say this. If you're sitting around one night, you're bored out of your mind, make a call to a friend or a family member. Go out and about for once. Even, you know, even if it's against the rules, you know, screw the rules. Do it anyway. You never know what might happen. I met some great people. I had a good time. And I was safely back at home only a couple hours later feeling great. I appreciate you listening to the Peter Gabbett Podcast today, folks. Like I said, there is only 10 episodes left. Actually, 9 after this, but 10 including this one. So yes, 9 episodes left after today. I'm sure you're sad. I I have plans. I got big plans in the future, so stick with me. You know, it's going to be worth it. I believe I may switch over to a YouTube-type scenario with my podcasting. Who knows? I'm going to figure it out, but stick with me. I appreciate each and every one of you very, very much. Have a fantastic afternoon, and I will talk to each one of you 
tomorrow. I must admit, as I get older, I'm getting less testicular fortitude for certain things. You know, I'm, I've got no nuts. Seriously, none. You know, it's not like I cut them off. I'm just, you know, you get more fearful of doing things, going out, and not really fearful. You just feel bad for your family if you leave them and go have a good time. That's just the way it is. You know, you're like, oh, man, my wife would love this, or oh, my kids would really enjoy that, or, you know, you think about that every time you're out and you just feel guilty that you're having fun without them. And, you know, you might say that's having no nuts. You know, it's being ballless. You lost your balls. You forfeited them. I, you know, I snipped them off. I handed them to my wife. She keeps them in her purse now. Regardless of what you call it, the No Nuts reminds me of a song called No Nuts by Hieroglyphics. And, you know, I gotta at least play this once before the end of season one of the Peter Gabbett podcast. With only ten episodes left, or nine, if you include this one as one, I don't have many chances to do that. So I'm gonna do it now and play for you a song called No Nuts by Hieroglyphics. With my menacing sentencing Up inside this Oblige with guidance From the funk expanding verb Tried inside glance Upon the multitudes of we can see To organize concentration camps So they can get lobotomized Fuck so bad you feel sodomized Time for words to be colonized To keep regards tall in size Erecting the best things in life My flow's composed Supposed to see my enemies cheese in my face And embrace my palm I'm hella stern but my face is calm Keeping the hip hop scene vibrant I come alive with good tide is fine and them seas silent milestones in hyro history leaves you wishing we was never released at least even if our demo tapes add to the myth for hyro's gifts those that don't agree is just pleading the fifth proceeding to inscript the codes that makes your brain overload and implode too much imagination got your face in defeat quit rhyming cause you wasting the beat it's dealt with my diabolical follow-ups and log the augmented tales to keep your mind tinted with interest and that was just the entrance save it your pocket for later, it's all greater. I'ma do you a small favor, deliver what we call beta for y'all and your neighbors. With Dell on the mic and Rob on the beta. Wait up, hold up. Hyro got it sold up. You know what? Dell is coming through with the cold cuts. Competition shouldn't have even showed up with no nuts. We robust. Dell is coming through with the cold cuts. The cold cuts. Make the whole planet panic and when it blows up I hit them again and again Trust no one, the hieroglyphic mics have been Desecrated by the likes of them And I don't know about that diplomatic shit I'd rather let it just crank when niggas be on the dick like a nympho I murder them like hurdling obstacles And cause holocaust, all I got is word and balls I'm hot pepper that you don't wanna taste to see So just watch me lace the beat gracefully It ain't a nigga got a thing to say My broken language slay niggas that came this way Aimless lay my Automatic spray wreak havoc and mayhem If you got something to say, come to the bay and get it off your chest Then put it to rest, another competitor bested Better 
shit, just shut the hell up Develop your skill and get enveloped still When my nigga Delop to back turn yellow belly and lily liver We deliver the Russian roulette You never know it might get you wet I make an issue out of that bitch who tried to disprove the invincible hieroglyphics crew I grab that ass by that braid and shock you like Raiden Wash your mouth out with dick and keep skating past the irrelevant punk that punk fiction But no, he don't want no friction I got a mic addiction That I don't wanna kick mine to original rhymes That are three-dimensional itching Up to the pinnacle and cranking my engine up And then I'm out with the middle Finger up and a perpetual S on my chest Just to let you know we still the best Save it your pocket for later, it's all greater. I'ma do you a small favor, deliver what we call beta for y'all and your neighbors. With Pep on the mic and Jake on the beta, waiter, hold up. Hyro got his soda. You know what? Pep is coming through with the cold cut. Competition shouldn't have even showed up with no nuts. We robust. Pep is coming through with the cold cuts. Let's drop some new shit on them then. Let's drop some new shit on them. Some brand new new shit. Yeah.